0: Today is a very important day. Palm Sunday is the day, of course, where we celebrate Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Now, if we take ourselves back to that time, this was a very exciting day. This was a big day in Jerusalem. The city was already packed as Passover was coming up very soon, and so there were many guests there. We were thinking almost like, uh, Times Square on New Year's Eve, right? This is kind of what we're building up for in Jerusalem. And Jesus, his ministry has been growing and growing. In fact, if there were polls in those days, Jesus would be trending quite high at this point, right? He's been on his way to Jerusalem. He's been doing miracles. He's been teaching all these things. In fact, Just very recently before this, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead, just a very short distance outside of Jerusalem. And I don't know how many of you have raising the dead on your resume, but if you do, you know it makes you very popular with people, right? So people are talking about Jesus. They're excited about him. And then he rides into the city in in this amazing day. And the people, they say, Hosanna, which means, Lord, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, to understand what was going on, we need to understand a bit about the politics of that day. You see, Palm Sunday was a very politically charged day. The Jewish people, the Israelites, they were not a free people at this point in history. No, they were occupied by the Romans. And so, that's a little difficult for us to put ourselves in that place because we live in the most powerful nation on earth, but they didn't. So, imagine if uh, the police here in in Anderson and Cincinnati area and uh, the mayor and all these people, uh, imagine if they were all Russians. How would we like that? Probably not very well, right? We like our freedom. We like making our own decisions. We like being ruled by our elected leaders. That's not what they had. They were ruled by the Romans. So when Jesus comes in in this very kingly manner, this could be a challenge, this could be a problem, right? And the people, I think some of the people were seeing this as a matter that Jesus is coming in to demonstrate that he is going to cast off the Romans that he's going to be the Messiah, the one who saves us, who restores us to the great days of King David and Solomon when we are are this great and prosperous nation. That's not what Jesus was there for, however. If you know the story, you know that he was coming to bring a kingdom, he would say, not of this world, but of something so much greater. Jesus wasn't coming just to free the Israelites from the Romans. Jesus was coming to free all of humanity from our sins. He was coming on a much bigger mission than what they understood. This helps us to see why it was that in such a short period of time, they would transition from yelling Hosanna to crucify on Palm Sunday. In fact, we're going, to, we're going to fast forward a bit to Palm, or sorry, to Good Friday, and the reason for this is we're telling stories for, for, about redemption in this series, stories of how God has saved people and God is changing lives. Today, we're going to talk about a man who was redeemed by Jesus, but honestly, it's kind of an outlier in this series. It's a different kind of redemption story. For this man, his life was saved by Jesus, but he seems to be almost more of an accidental character on Good Friday, not so much an intentional one. His name is Barabbas. He's mentioned in all four Gospels, and we really don't know a ton about him. Actually, we don't know anything about him other than what we read right here in the Gospels. The rest of the Bible doesn't speak of him. Uh, we don't have any Christian writings that talk about what he did beyond this day. This is, we just get this one window into his life. So we're entering here at the point of Jesus' trial before Pontius Pilate. He'd been arrested in Gethsemane, taken off to be tried by the Jewish leaders, the high priest. They bring all these false witnesses around. They can't even get their lies to match, they can't get their stories straight. Things are not going well in this trial. Finally, the high priest looks at Jesus and he says, Are you the Messiah? And Jesus says that he is. That, in fact, the high priest will someday see him sitting at the right hand of God. Now, we're like, yeah, that's Jesus. But that's not how they saw it. They're like, no, you are the carpenter's son, right? You, this is blasphemy. You're, you're not God, okay? You can't say those things this man deserves to die. He deserves to die for making himself somehow equal with God. They take him before Pilate, but of course that's not a chargeable offense with the Romans. They don't care that much about Jewish religious squabbles. They're not into that kind of stuff. And Pilate had a tough job. He was the governor there, who was over the the greater Jerusalem-Judea area there. And and he he was charged with kind of keeping peace and leading these people. But Pilate was a man who was a strong leader. He was a violent leader at times. He was known for violently stomping out insurrection around him. He was someone who would uh, do things from time to time that really made the Jews angry. For example, once he was doing a civic product project, um, uh, building an aqueduct, and he tapped into their temple treasury, in other words, their, uh, their church's monies, if you will, to fund this civic thing. They didn't like that. He also uh, had brought in symbols of Julius Caesar there in areas where Jews would worship, and they don't like that either. So there was some tension in their relationship. There had been some uprising, and Pilate probably felt the pressure during this big celebration week to not let things get out of control. So now we have Jesus standing before him. Pilate is trying him verse Matthew 27:11 and Pilate asked this, "Are you the king of the Jews?" Jesus replied, "You have said it." Now, it's an interesting kind of change here. You heard that the high priest asked, "Are you the Messiah?" where it seems they brought him to Pilate saying, this man claims to be our king, but he's not our king, okay? They're setting him up as like a political threat to Pilate. Pilate, you need to do something about this man. He's a threat. He's a problem to Rome. Pilate sees right through it. He sees that Jesus is innocent. He perceives this to be Some Jewish bickering, if you will, and he really doesn't have time for this. So Pilate sees a potential way out of this mess. He has a tradition where every year at the Passover feast, he releases a prisoner that the Jews choose, that the crowd chooses. He releases this to them. It's kind of like if you combined a presidential pardon and American idol, right? Like, we're letting somebody free. You get to pick who we let free here. Who it's going to be this year. Verse 15 It was the governor's custom every year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, Which do you want me to release to you? Barabbas? or Jesus, who's called the Messiah. He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. The other Gospels tell us that Barabbas had been involved in an insurrection, an uprising against Rome, and he even had committed murder. So he might have been popular with some Jews for that, but he was certainly a criminal, no doubt about it. And we don't know exactly what that insurrection was about, but we know from other stories of insurrection, Pilate did not take kindly to this stuff. Barabbas would have been sitting on death row. He's sitting in a cell, and he's waiting. And he knows that when that soldier arrives, he's got one thing ahead of him, and that's crucifixion. He's scared, terrified. He's probably regretting many decisions in his life at this point, he seems to have no hope, but when the soldier opened the door that day, that's not exactly what happened. Let's check it out. <laughs> And <laughs> ¿Como? (laughs) <laughs> Are you kidding me? Pilot sets up this theater of the absurd. He puts Barabbas, the murderer, the criminal, the kind of man for which crucifixion was invented, he puts him on one side and on the other side, the Lamb of God. Jesus has to go through a, a popularity contest before going to the cross why do we even need this story in the Bible? Why do we even need this? It's gone too far. It, it's, it's the ultimate picture of injustice. You've got a murderer, a violent man, a dangerous man here on one side, and on the other side, you have the innocent, beaten, bloody Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of Lords. What has Jesus done? What has He done that puts him here? We know what He's done. He he gave sight to the blind man. He fed the five thousand. He welcomed the children. He made the lame man walk again. He was friend to the tax collector, the prostitute, and the outcast. He freed the demoniac. He, this is what Jesus has done. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. These two shouldn't be mentioned in the same sentence, much less put on the same stage. It's an affront to justice. Who do you want, Jews, Barabbas or Jesus? We want Barabbas, free Barabbas. So they take off his chains. They set him free. What happened to Barabbas that day? We don't know for sure. I have to think that within minutes, he's probably back with his criminal buddies. They chose me. They like me. The people like me. Not that other guy. When I read this story, it just, it hits me. This should not be. The the son of God gets crucified and the criminal goes free. It's so different than all the other redemption stories we've talked about in this series. I, I cheer when the demoniac is, is set free. I love the story of, of Boaz and Ruth's love for Naomi. I, I love the story of the son coming home from the, the far country. It, it touches my heart's heart. But this story, not so much. We planned these sermon series months in advance, and if I'm honest, when when I sat down to write it this week, I thought to myself, why did I say yes to Barabbas? He doesn't fit in. I don't like him. Quite frankly, there's other better redemption stories in the Bible. I had to do some praying just to get my heart in the right place to begin. And I would love to tell you the book of Acts has this great story about Barabbas, how he trusted Jesus after he saw him after the resurrection. And he then becomes this great evangelist and goes around and telling everybody about Jesus, eventually killed for his faith by the Jewish leaders. It's this incredible story, but it doesn't exist. And I don't know what Barabbas did, but I have to assume it wasn't anything good because that story would have been worth putting in the Bible. The man who we talked about in all four Gospels being set free by the death of Jesus. It would have been worth talking about his conversion, surely. It seems like such a scandal. Barabbas should have looked at Jesus and said, man, I owe you. I owe you everything. I was here to die. I owe you. Who are you? Barabbas should have sought out his followers. He should have got an understanding, but no. He walks down those those stairs in arrogance and he marches off into the sunset of history. Perhaps back even to his life of crime. You see, Jesus was on a mission, Jesus knew his mission. We see this in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prays to his father and he says, Please, if there's any other way, take this cup away from me. Not my will, Father, but yours be done. Somebody has to pay the price for sin. Either the guilty sinners or Jesus. Pastor Judah Smith said it this way, Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so that he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. It's the ultimate substitution here. Barabbas thought it was the people who set him free. Barabbas thought it was his popularity, and Barabbas was wrong. He's not set free because of his popularity. You don't deserve it, Barabbas. You deserve death. That's what you deserve. You don't deserve to go free while the Son of God gets hauled off and beaten and crucified. You don't deserve it. Who are you? How do you even make it into this story? I don't like Barabbas. When I, when I see this image of him, I just want to punch him in the face. I mean, who is he? So arrogant. Arrogant. hateful who is this man but as as I think about Barabbas more I find out exactly who he is I am Barabbas Barabbas is me It's you. All we like sheep have gone astray. The name Barabbas, it literally means son of a father. It's the most generic name out there. And it's who Barabbas is. He's another son of Adam. Another one born into sin, who makes sinful choices, who goes his own way. This is Barabbas, and whatever bondage he has, he deserves it, like me. Another sinner who goes his own way, does plenty of stupid stuff, and doesn't deserve Jesus' gift. Jesus is the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. The one who has come to take away the sins of the world. So the wages of sin is death. So either all the Barabbas's in the world, we die and are permanently separated from God, or else, or else, Jesus takes our sins. And he pays our price. He goes freely and willingly to the cross for me and for you. I'm offered the free gift of life because of Jesus' sacrifice. He doesn't deserve death, but I get life. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried it was our sorrows that weighed him down it was our he, we thought our we thought his troubles were a punishment from god a punishment for his own sins but no he was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins he was beaten so that we could be whole he was whipped so that we could be healed all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. I am Barabbas. And God looks down at Barabbas. And unlike me, he doesn't say, I don't like him. Let's not talk about him. No. God looks down and he says, I love Barabbas. I love John. I love every sinner in this world. And my son will take their sin upon his innocent body and will pay the price so that they don't have to because I love them. That's redemption. That's a gift. And so for you and me, we have a really big choice to make. As people who are set free, chains gone, are we going to walk out those stairs, walk down those stairs in arrogance as if somehow we did something to be free? Or are we going to trust Jesus Are we going to say, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior, to pay the price for my sins, and I need you to be the Lord, the leader of my life? Don't miss that opportunity. In fact, you can do it with me right now as we pray. Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I mess lots of things up, and I can only be saved by your perfect sacrifice, your grace, your love. I ask that you would come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Free me that I can live for you. I ask that you would be the leader of my life, my Lord. I want to live for you, Jesus, not for myself. So I give myself to you. Thank you, Jesus, for how you meet us at this table as we receive these gifts of bread and cup. Would you just draw us closer to yourself? Help us to taste and see that you are good. For Lord, we love you and pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.